Hey guys, what is going on? It is Ryan Johnston back with another episode of the Gladiator Hour. I'm super, rec I'm super excited to be recording this episode because I'm recording on my new microphone uh, for my birthday. It was very nice. I got a blue Yeti microphone with a nice mic stand, a pop filter, um, everything that I really need to make my to take my podcast to the next level. Um, of course, I know I'm only at four episodes, but I really enjoyed doing it, um, and I think it's, it's 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 really fun. So I would just like to do it to the best of my ability. And this is something that can really help me do it um, very easily. Uh, if you're interested in getting one, it's it's really cool because it's really easy to set up. Like, there's only four settings for it. There's four like audio recording settings. So if you want to like do an interview with the microphone, you can have it like do bi-directional, and it can just be like on either side of the microphone. You can talk on it, or it has the cardioid, which is like uh, one-directional. So that's what I'm using right now. So it's not collecting the sound around the microphone. So I could type on my keyboard. I can do clicks, I can do anything. Um, it's a really cool thing. I, I would highly recommend it. There's an omnidirectional one that can just pick up the whole room. I can even hear the birds outside chirping. Um, it's an excellent microphone. I highly recommend it if you guys w are wanting to start a podcast. And also, if you want to start a podcast, you got to go to Anchor FM. Uh, Anchor.fm is the best way to start it, especially if you don't really know what you're doing like I did. Um, they make it super easy because it took me maybe 10 minutes to get my account set up and, you know, get the name for my podcast. Like, I actually have it uh, reserved for me. And then, you know, after that, as soon as you start posting, everything starts coming in real quick. They start finding sponsors for you. They start, you know, distributing your podcast to other platforms. I'm on Apple Music, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast. I'm on stuff that I didn't even know existed. Um like, it's, it's super easy. You can even use your software to record. So if you really want to start a podcast, Anchor FM is the way to go. If you need a logo for your podcast, go to publicdomainfactors.org. And if you need a podcast to listen to, go to Josh Jones's podcast, The Miseducation of Music. It drops every week on every platform. Check it out. If you're into music, listen to it. He goes over every type of music. He has an alternative episode. He has a rap episode. You know, he's a super fun guy to listen to, and he always has really fun guests on. And I've been on a couple times myself. Okay, so let's get on to the actual show. It's a, it was a very exciting weekend for us, a very exciting week in general. A lot of good news. Of course, UFC 238, uh, my birthday card, as I like to call it. It was a really fun one. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I'll get into that a little bit later, though. This will go over some of the more recently announced fights. There's not many, um, because a lot of the cards that are coming up are starting to you know, really take shape and look complete. But I do like a couple that I saw. They recently announced John Lineker versus Rob Font 2. They're fighting for the second time as the co-main event at UFC Greenville, uh, which is the same card that the Korean Zombie and Hanato Moisano are fighting on. I hope I said that last name right, Moisano. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that should be a pretty interesting card. I always love seeing John Lineker fight because he's, he's one of the smaller guys that can really knock people out with one punch. Um, which is always fun to see. We all love one-punch knockouts. And then you, uh, at UFC 239, Julia Avila and Melissa Gatto have been announced for that fight at 135. I believe this is Julia Avila's first fight in the UFC, so welcome to her. And some fights coming up this weekend. We have in boxing Tyson Fury versus Tom Schwartz on ESPN. That's going to be a fun one. Of course, if you don't like watching Tyson Fury fight, probably just don't like boxing then. Uh, in uh, back in MMA, we have Rory McDonald versus Neiman Gracie in Bellator, and on the same card, we have Chael Sonnen versus Lyoto Machida, the Dragon. 
Um, that's going to be a fun one to watch. I love watching Lyoto fight because, you know, you never know what's going to happen. He's so sneaky, so crafty. You know, you think he's done knocking people out, and then he front kicks Vitor in the face like like Anderson Silva front kick him in the face. It's pretty messed up. But uh, so, so that's going to be an interesting one. And then, of course, Roy McDonald is one of the best in the world at any given time. Like, if you put him against anybody, there's a very good chance he'll beat him. Anybody at 170, at least. We saw what happened when he went up to 185 and fought Gegard Musasi, who, in his own right, is most likely the best 85er in the world. Um, maybe if... I mean, there's a couple guys that could probably beat him, but I would say he, you know, eight times out of ten beats him every night. Uh, a couple pieces of other news. Khabib has already started his training camp for Dustin Poirier for his fight on September 7th. He's giving himself a 14-week camp. He is not taking Dustin Poirier lightly. Um, <clears throat> um, he is doing everything he can to make sure that he is excellent for that fight. I'm sure he's going to be working on a striking, and we already know what his wrestling is. It's... It is uh, basically unstoppable. I, I'm really interested to see how Dustin's going to deal with that. I think his footwork is going to be a big part of it. I think uh, Kevin Lee agreed in that sentiment. His footwork is going to have to be a big part of him, you know, staying staying away from Khabib and staying on the outside and making sure that he doesn't get taken down. And then uh, after after Tony Ferguson's fight and Tony Ferguson's like post event interview, he actually made a really good point. He's going to have to make a real effort of real, real effort to stay away from the cage. Because as soon as you get near the cage, we saw it actually in this fight card with uh, Tatiana Suarez versus Nia Ansaroff. If you if you let a high-level, an Olympic-level wrestler get you up against the cage, there's not much you can do. There just isn't. They're going to take you to the ground. They're going to they're gonna snatch up your legs. They're going to wrap them up. They're going to triangle them. You're not going to be able to move. You're going to start hyperventilating a little bit going to be freaked out, and then they're going to start punching you in the face like they absolutely hate you. Um, back to the news, though, we have Anthony Smith actually broke his left hand, if you didn't know, in, the, in his fight against Alexander Gustafson. It was, the picture of it was absolutely disgusting. Ariel Hawani posted it on his Twitter page, but, like, the bone below his index finger, like, in his actual hand, like, in his palm, that index finger bone was completely snapped in half. Like, completely snapped. One half was, like, hanging off to the side. It looked like it was probably pinching that vein right there. It was it was gross. It was a nasty, like, x-ray to watch or to see. And then, so Anthony Smith had gotten a metal rod placed in that. He actually posted a picture of his hand open and then placing the metal rod in, which was significantly more gross than Ariel Hawani's picture, but it is what it is. Um, another thing, I should have caught this last episode, but eh. Uh, Jimmy Manoa has retired after his fourth loss in a row. Um, of course, he's he's an amazing fighter. He's had some very great moments in the UFC. He's been a title contender. Um, he's like a perennial top 10 guy. But the thing is, he hasn't won in like two years. The The level of competition in the light heavyweight division is so high that if you, if you have a couple bad fights, it's so hard to build that momentum back up. And a lot of these guys realize that. And because of that, it's just like if you lose two or three or three or four, it's ah oh, man, I gotta hang it up. There's not really much I can do. Um, Alexander Gustafson, I don't think he was in that position. I think he still has many more good years ahead of him in the UFC. He could have had many more good years ahead of him in the UFC. Um, it's one of those things like it's just so hard seeing John Jones at the top of that division um, as a fighter, or you know being a fighter in that division. Of course, I'm not obviously. But 
I'm sure for those guys, it's so hard seeing him up there because it's like, well, that's that's John Jones. People say he's the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. And what am I going to do? Like a guy like Alexander Gustafson, who's fought him twice, he looks up there and he's like, man, I know I can't beat him. If he if he has the belt, I can't. I don't have a chance of being champion. So with that, I guess it's just the only real option is to... Re- I mean, it, you could fight. You could be like Diego Sanchez and just fight for the love of fighting, but you know, guys like that, or guys like Alex, he's a little bit more level-headed than that. He he had goals in mind, and he saw that he wouldn't be able to achieve those goals with the situation that he had in the UFC then, very similar to Jimmy Manoa. And he decided it's time to hang him up, save his health, and uh, you know, live to fight another day. Props to those guys, though. They've been legends in the sport. Great guys in the light heavyweight division. I enjoyed watching them so much over the last, you know, however many years. Um, definitely sad to see him go, though. Johnny Walker, speaking of light heavyweights, has been medically cleared to fight. Um, after his knockout against, oh no, Ryan. Who did he knock out? He knocked out somebody spectacularly. It was a flying knee within 30 seconds. Um, he said he wants to fight Glover Teixeira or Alexander Rekic, who actually just retired Jimmy Manoa. Um, I would love to see either of those fights. Those are really good fights, especially, and they actually make sense, you know, considering their win streaks, how they've won. Um, Glover is like turning back the clock every fight. It's like, he's not almost 40. I believe he actually is 40. Um, Alexander Rickage, he's, he's just awesome, explosive striker. You know, there's not really... He's actually pretty, in my opinion, he's pretty similar to Johnny Walker, but I think Johnny Walker has a bit more power and he's a bit more athletic. But I think it would be a good matchup to see. I would also like to see more more than one round out of Johnny Walker in the actual UFC because, you know, we've seen him, we saw him go to a three-round decision versus, uh, I believe it was Henrique de Silva in Dana White's Contender Series. But that's, you know, that's like the tryouts. That's like, that's like, I don't know, that's like scoring 40 touchdowns at the combine. I don't, I don't think that makes sense, but, like, that's what it feels like. It's not, It's of course, it's a real fight, but it's not against the level of, it's against other guys that are also trying to get into the UFC. It's not against, you know, guaranteed UFC talent. I want to see him go more than one round against a guy like Glover Teixeira, who is a veteran. He's been in the UFC. He's fought the best of the best. You know, he fought Anthony Johnson, he fought John Jones, he fought D... I don't know if he fought DC. Definitely fought Gless, or Gustafson. But if if Johnny Walker can get past a guy like that, then I really do believe he could be champion. Cynthia Calvillo is out uh, of her fight with Hinata Souza, with Livia Hinata Souza, uh, at UFC Sacramento with a broken foot. It's very unfortunate for her. I was in, I was uh, looking forward to that fight, and I actually saw something very interesting. Dana White commented a little bit more on his dealings with Brock Lesnar on Brock Lesnar not coming back to the UFC. We all we had all assumed that it was because of pay per view points. His deal wasn't good enough, you know, something like that. It was really because the WWE offered Brock such a good offer, he could not pass it up could not pass it up. The money was too good. I do not blame him at all for that. Now, on to the real meat of the show. The UFC 238 
that was a very impressive card, top to bottom. Um, not a lot of finishes, but you know all the fighters really went out there, put it on the line, you know, really gave the fans what they were asking for in very exciting fights. So props to them. That was really fun. Um, the early prelims were pretty good. Only one of the fights was finished by stoppage, but all the rest were pretty like high-paced fights. Um, the re the only one that really stood out to me was, uh, of course, the knockout was with uh, Eddie Wineland knocking out Grigory Popov. Grigory Popov is no slouch. He's a great fighter, but Eddie Wineland, he's been fighting for such a long time. He's been fighting since, I think, 03, and he came out there and looked like he had been fighting, he, like he just started. Like, he looked so young and fast and sharp. It was awesome to watch. Got him. He got him out of there in the second round. It was a great fight. If you guys haven't seen it, I'm pretty sure that is still on ESPN Plus, and it's definitely on UFC Fight Pass. The regular, the uh, just normal prelims were on ESPN TV, like just on TV ESPN, which I think was it was a great four fights to have on TV because these are ones where it really shows what, the, what MMA is all about. One, they were exciting. They were super exciting. You know, like the fight between Al Aljamain Sterling and Pedro Munoz, they were throwing down. Like they were, it was a great, it was a great striking battle. And then you know, Aljamain started talking shit through the fight. It was really that was a really fun one to watch. I I was very entertained by that. Um, but starting it off, like st like starting off the prelims on TV was an amazing knockout over Ricardo Lamas. Ricardo Lamas is you know a world class fighter. Fought Max Holloway, took him to decision. Um, like he's, I, w I don't want to say he's a legend, but you know he's he's a guy in the feather, yeah, featherweight division that, you know, I wouldn't say people are scared of, but he's a guy to watch out for. He can always knock somebody out. He can always win a fight. There's always a very strong chance that he can win a fight. Now Calvin Cater, he is an amazing striker, and he keeps every fight. He shows it more and more, like how how high level his skills are. He was picking his shots on Ricardo so accurately. He was switching to the body. You know, he was doing everything he needed to do to get inside. And finally, you know, like he did like a faint jab and then he came over with a left hook. And then he just smashed him in the face with the right hand and he was completely out. He jumped on him, didn't even need to. The ref got him out of there. It was just, it was quick, sweet. At the end of the first round, it was over. Then it went on to a battle between a very high-level striker, a very talented striker, and Carolina Kovalkiewicz versus Alexa Grasso, who is coming off of a loss against Tatiana Suarez, which I can't really blame her for. Tatiana Suarez, I'm going to talk about her a little bit later. Actually, I think, no, not up next, but very soon. She's awesome. She's awesome. But I'll get to that in a second. Alexa Grasso. So I expected this fight to be... Carolina, like, of course, Carolina always pressures her, her opponents, but I expected it to be a little bit more, how do I put this? I just expected it, her to have a bit more success with it. I didn't, I don't think anybody expected Alexa coming out with the level of defense that she had. Her footwork, like, she had a full year off since her last fight, and she definitely put it to good use. She said she'd been in training since January, like, for this, like, for her next fight. She stayed extremely disciplined throughout the process. Um, so she took that time and she improved her striking leaps and bounds. It was an excellent, excellent um, transition from where we last saw her. You know, 
throughout the fight, she was countering extremely well. Uh, she was using her kicks extremely well against the heavy pressure. She was using that push kick. It was great. She was piecing her up on the, like she was piecing her up with her boxing. She dominated the whole fight. Ended up getting a unanimous decision. It was it was really surprising to me because you know, Carolina she's she's a really good fighter. She's actually dropped I want to say three in a row now, two or three in a row. She got knocked out in one punch by Jessica Andrade, who is now the champion, and then uh, now against Alexa Grasso. So she's got some work to do. She's got to figure some things out in her camp. But I'm sure that she'll be back better than ever. And I'm I'm definitely very interested to see who Alexa Grasso would fight is going to fight next. I would like to see her fight Nina Ansaroff, the lo- the loser of uh, Tatiana versus her. And then we had my probably favorite fight of the prelims, um, Aljamain Sterling versus Pedro Munoz. They both have a really nice win streak uh, through I think like three fights and over very tough opponents. Of course, we all saw Pedro Munoz knock out. Cody Garbrandt in the first round a few weeks ago. Um, so I expected during this fight that Aljamain was going to use, like, he's a great wrestler. He's a great grappler. Anybody who comes from Matt Sarah's camp really is. So I expected him to use that a lot during this fight, especially considering Pedro Munoz is known as a you know, stand and bang brawler. But to, I think, everybody's surprise, Aljamain came out, and he and he just stood with him. I don't think he shot once. He shot maybe a couple times to, like, fake a shot and then land a strike. But I don't think he actually shot on him. He was, like, he really showed that his striking skill is better than I at least thought. I thought he was, a, I, I always knew he was a good striker. He had some or, unorthodox stances. You know, he does some weird things on the feet that kind of throws people off, and he lands good shots with it. But I didn't expect him to be, you know, this advanced with it you know what I mean um now to Pedro's credit as much as uh Sterling was having success on the feet Pedro never gave up he showed amazing heart throughout the fight it was awesome to watch um he was constantly chopping at Aljamain with leg kicks you know Aljamain was winning the striking exchanges but it definitely wasn't comfortable for him it definitely wasn't easy for him it was definitely a rough night. He was definitely feeling it the next morning. I mean, he was hitting him so hard. He was making him switch. Uh, Aljamain had to switch stances almost constantly. Um, towards the sec- I think towards the middle of the second round, um, Pedro was starting to mix in head kicks with the leg kicks, so he was, trying to ha- he was kind of having to backpedal along with it. But Aljamain really dug deep in the third round. He started chopping at Pedro's legs. And then he was, he started hitting him with some really hard shots that I think would have knocked out a lot of other people. Um, that's just more credit to Pedro Munoz's chin and his heart. <clears throat> so Aljamain ended up being able to win that fight. He put, he took the first two rounds pretty decisively. Of course they hurt, but he definitely won those two rounds. Then we had the featured preliminary bout, which was which is being touted as, like, the title eliminator bout between, uh, for the strawweight division between Tatiana Suarez and Nina Ansaroff. Tatiana Suarez. So I've been, like, like itching to talk to her about her the whole show because I'm so impressed with her, and I'm, like, I'm a really big fan now. So Tatiana Suarez, if you don't know, an Olympic-level wrestler, 
Um, she was going to be on the Olympic team, ended up getting cancer, came back from cancer, got into the UFC, and now she's like the number three, probably going to be the number one in the world after that. Maybe Rosie will probably take number one, but number in the top three. She's a top three fighter in the UFC, probably getting the next title shot if Rose Nami Yunus does not get an immediate rematch. So, off the bat, we knew. Actually, let me just say this. Tatiana, best way to describe her, female version of Khabib. Best way to describe her. Now, on to the rest of it. So she has an obvious advantage on the ground. So I expected Nina to do everything she could to stay off the ground. And she really was. But Tatiana's so dominant. I mean, Nina had an amazing sprawl. An amazing sprawl. It was it was a takedown defense that I feel like any other wrestler would have been like, man, I lost that takedown. Let me Let me recover the position. Let me recover and get back to my feet. Try again. Now, Tatiana, they were like in the middle of the cage. Tatiana shoots for a double, and Nina sprawls, gets all the way down, gets her hips all the way to the ground. Great sprawl. Tatiana just picks her up, drives her against the fence, and as I said before, you get against the fence with a high-level wrestler. They're going to take you down, they're going to wrap up your legs, and they're going to beat the fuck out of you. Now, Nina did a really good job of, you know, scrambling and trying to avoid strikes the whole time. She was doing a really good job of that. Um, of course... There's only so much you can do, but, and Tatiana did end up getting a few really good shots off on her, um, especially in the second round. It was more of the same. Um, but in the third round, everything got a little different. It got really interesting, because we saw something really interesting happen with Tatiana and Nina. So Nina, I guess her corner, I don't know what her corner told her, I don't know what happened in between rounds, but she came out in the third round looking like a completely different fighter. You gotta go back and watch it. It's it's really interesting. She came out looking a completely different fighter. Her takedown defense was different. Her footwork was different. Her striking patterns were different. Everything was different. The adjustments she made allowed her to stay on her feet, stay away from the cage, and actually bring the pressure to Tatiana. And then that's when we saw Tatiana has a pretty, pretty glaring hole in her striking game. Now she has good striking. But against a high-level striker, that might get exposed. Like, if Nina came out like that in the first round, that could have been a very different fight. She was landing wheel kicks, head kicks, body kicks, all the kicks. All the kicks. She was piecing her up in the face. You know, going into the third round, Tatiana had no marks on her face, no bruising. Coming out of the fourth, or coming out of the third, she has a swollen eye, you know, I think she had a busted up lip. Nina did a good job in the third round. She won that round. So, Tatiana has also noticed. She has some work to do. There's there's some more. And she, she even said it after her fight. Like, that, that wasn't as clean as I wanted it to be. And I agree. I think that, I think that she went out there. I don't know if she underestimated Nina. But I think that after the first two rounds were so dominant, she just, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? After the first rounds, after the first two rounds were so dominant, she just decided, eh, I'm good. We can just, you know, take, take some foot off the gas, take a little bit of gas off. And that's, of course, right when Nina poured it all on. I think if that fight went another, like, minute and a half, she probably could have got a TKO or something. Now, 
On to the main card. Main card was fun. Main card was a lot of fun. Great fights. First one was Taito Ivasa versus Blagoy Ivanov. Two foreign dudes. Great stuff. Heavyweights. We th- I thought this was going to be a... I thought this was going to be a slugfest. Exactly what it was. Um, it was not a fight that I expected to go three rounds. That being said, I did enjoy the fight. You know, both guys were hit with shots that would knock you know you or me into a into a completely different dimension. Like if if any of us got hit with those, we would be in a wheelchair staring out a window. <clears throat> now in the first round, uh, it became pretty evident that Ivanov had a little bit of an advantage. I don't I don't know what it was, but he just looked a little bit sharper. Um, he actually dropped Tai Tuivasa in the first round, but to his credit, he got up right away, gave him back an elbow, um, that looks so painful. Like, that, that's one really cool thing about Tai Tuivasa. If you watch any of his fights, just watch him throw elbows, man. If you like seeing some really, if you like seeing that really grimy stuff, like the really, the really painful strikes, watch Tai Tuivasa throw elbows. Like, it's terrifying. And then with the UFC's uh, new microphones, they have different microphones now. Like, if you look at a fight five years ago, compared to now, you can actually hear the strikes. So, like, hearing those elbows hit is just like, oh, okay, that's that's the level we're at now. I'm not going to mess with that guy. Um, the rest of the fight ended up being just a complete slugfest. You know, in the third round, they were, they were basically standing in front of each other. They finished out the fight, you know, Max Holloway, Ricardo Lama style, just smacking each other with nuclear bombs. In each other's faces. Uh, even though Ivanov ended up landing more shots, controlling the fight more. Um, of course, with the Sambo, he ended up taking uh, he ended up taking Ty to the ground twice. Um, that was enough to get him the decision victory. Once again, I did not expect that one to go to decision, but it is what it is. It was still a fun fight to watch. Rivera, Jimmy Rivera versus P- Piotr Jan. That was a pretty good one. Um, I wouldn't say I was excited for it, but I knew that these were two very high-level guys. Um, Jimmy does finish people. Uh, neither of them are, like, consistent finishers, really, so I, I kind of expected this one to go to decision a little bit. Uh, that being said, though, there was a couple opportunities that Piotr Jan had to finish uh, Jimmy, but to his credit, he, you know, Jimmy, when he gets cracked, he defends very well. He's, he scrambles right away. He gets his wits about him like almost immediately, which is very impressive. Um, the first, it was kind of the first two rounds were kind of the same in the sense that like Jimmy would start off kind of winning the round, winning the exchanges, you know, winning the clinch battle against the fence, landing more knees, landing more strikes, and then at the end of the round, Piotr would come through and just he would drop Jimmy, and he won the first two rounds because of that. He basically stole the first two rounds from him. Um, and then in the third, it was pretty much the same, except he didn't get dropped. So Jimmy won the third round, in my opinion, at least. So really, if if he got, if he didn't get dropped one time, he probably would have won that fight. Like if he got dropped one last time, probably would have won the fight. But got dropped twice, ended up losing by decision. Um, man, kind of sucks. I, I I'm really a big fan of Jimmy Rivera. He kind of had a rough run of it for the past couple of years in the UFC, going up against you know some of the buzz saws in the bantamweight division. But I think he'll be all right. He's an excellent guy. I think he, I think he's like twenty-two and four. That's still a great record, man. That's he's fine. 
Um, there's now the next fight. There's not much to say about. Oh wait, no, 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 no. There's a lot to say about the next fight. I, I skipped one. The next fight was Ferguson versus Cowboy Cerrone. The fight that everybody was waiting for. Everybody in the world that watches MMA was waiting for this fight, and it ended up kind of being disappointing. Not the actual fight, the result of the fight. The, the, the actual fight was, you know, fireworks. It was great to watch. Everybody was, you know, I was on my feet in my living room. It was an awesome fight. Um, you know, it was exactly what we expected. They didn't really go to the ground. They were they were pretty much just standing in front of each other and punching each other in the face for, you know, the first two rounds. Um, I couldn't really tell who was getting the better of the exchanges. Uh, it really looked even. Going in, I think Cerrone ended up winning the first round uh, on the judges' scorecards, and Ferguson ended up winning the second. Now, the real interesting part of the fight, not that the fight wasn't interesting, you should all go watch it if you haven't seen it yet, uh, because it really is, you know, great display of skills. But the really interesting part of the fight was the ending of it. Now, at the end of the second round, bell rings, Tony Ferguson lands a really late shot. Like, it was, it was noticeably late. Like, it was one that... I don't know, he probably, like, I really don't think he should have thrown that one. Um, now, when Fergus, when Cowboy was in his corner, he blew his nose. Now, you know, if you don't know, when you're in a fight and your nose gets punched and, like, you got buildup in there, like, there's pressure, you can't blow your nose because the pressure will make your eyes swell. And that's what happened. He blew his nose, his right eye completely swelled shut. Now, to his credit, this dude was trying to pop his eyelid, like he was trying to pop the blood out just to relieve the pressure so he could continue fighting. But of course the doctors wouldn't let that happen because they're smart people. And uh, they called the fight off, unfortunately. Um, the f- a-, a lot of speculation was made, or not even a lot of speculation, but the refs went to, Dan Mergliata went back to the replay to see if the fight, if that swelling was caused by Tony Ferguson's late shot, because if it was, I think Cerrone would have got the nod for the win, uh, for the DQ win. But it ended up not being that. He hit him on the chin with the late shot, so Tony Ferguson ended up winning by TKO. Um, to a really cool moment for him, though. He uh, he offered an immediate rematch. He was re- His sportsmanship has been amazing. I'm actually really impressed with Tony Ferguson in general over the, like over this fight week. Um, of course, pre-fight, like, you know, going up to it, he wasn't too... I would say nice to people, nice to the media people, because a lot of them were asking questions he didn't want to hear, some awkward stuff about his family, about his health, uh, how he's doing. Um, but I understand he's frust- he was frustrated, weight cutting, you know, every a lot of the fighters get really short with the media guys when they're cutting weight. Um, but after the fight, he was, like, he's a, he's a really, like, polarizing figure for me sometimes, because sometimes he acts like a real douchebag, and, like, I'm confused about, you know, what are you talking about? He just says some weird stuff. Not a douchebag. Douchebag's the wrong word. But he's, like, a weird, he's, he's a really weird dude. But after this fight, you know, in his, you know, post-fight interview, um, like, after the whole event, he really seemed, like, more of a down-to-earth guy. Like, he talked to everybody, like, you know, just a normal person. He was his normal overconfident self, but it wasn't, like, abrasive. I really enjoyed looking at that. I really liked how he reacted to that. Um, really good gamesmanship, really good sportsmanship. I'm very impressed by Tony Ferguson. I'm glad to see that he's back fighting. Um, and I hope to see him 
fighting for a title very soon. He definitely deserves it. Has a 13-fight win streak, I believe. Could be 12, actually. Not sure. But yeah, no, longest active win streak in the UFC, other than Khabib Nurmagomedov. Actually, I think he has more wins in the UFC than Khabib. Of course, Khabib is 27-0, but I think Tony Ferguson might have more wins. After that, the fight that there wasn't much to say about. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko versus Jessica I. It went pretty much exactly how I thought. Um, in the first round, Valentina decided to take it to the ground. Um, and it was... It wasn't an issue at all for her. Got a body lock against the cage. Took her down into side control. Jessica scrambled. Got up. Got taken down immediately again. And then she you know, got pounded on for, for the rest of the round. Valentina almost finished her with a Americana from the crucifix position. Um, Jessica somehow scrambled out of that. Looked painful. Um, though, for the whole fight, though, for the whole first round, whenever they were on the feet, Valentina was hitting Jessica with some really, really hard leg kicks, like she was really digging into him. And then in the second round, she was doing the same thing. So because of this, Jessica, she had her hands up high, but the more and more she got kicked to the body, the more and more she would want to drop her hands to protect her body. The more and more she would want to drop her right hand, drop her right hand, drop her right hand. And as soon as it got low enough, Valentina knew exactly when it was low enough for her to land the head kick. And as soon as she, as soon as she did it, she looked at her body and kicked her head. She pointed, it's like she pointed her eyes at her body. Jessica drops her arms, or drops her arm, and she goes straight to her head, knocks her clean out, out cold, didn't need a second hit, nothing. Completely out. I thought Valentina was going to get arrested for murder. <clears throat> but congratulations to Valentina Shevchenko, and still the flyweight champion of the UFC. Excellent fight on her part. Jessica I though, of course, always the uh, always the good sport, put out a very respectful message to Valentina, congratulating her on her victory, um, apologizing to her fans, though I don't think she should have to issue an apology, of course, because, you know, she went out there, she did what she was supposed to do, she put her, she, she put it all on the line for everybody. Um, but shouts out to her as well, glad she is, glad she's, you know, up and safe and feeling good. And then we have the main event of the night. Henry Cejudo, uh, the Olympic gold medalist, versus Marlon Marias, the Bantamweight murderer. Of course, Henry Cejudo is the flyweight champion of the UFC. He is going for his second belt against Marlon Marias. Um, the Bantamweight belt, of course, was left vacated after TJ Dillashaw, who was previously one of my favorite fighters in the world before he popped for steroids, popped for steroids. Um, so, of course, he's out for two years, so they had to find, they have to get a new champion. Uh, Henry Cejudo was the last person to beat TJ, so it seemed fitting that he would fight the number one contender in the Bantamweight division, which was obviously Marlon Marais. Now, I was pretty surprised. The first round and a half really were all about Marlon. Um, he was stopping his legs, he was countering really well, he was striking, defending takedowns amazingly. That being said, Henry didn't shoot a lot, which really surprised me. Henry wanted to stand. Henry wanted to stand with him. Um, I think a lot of people, I think he, I don't want to say let it get to his head, a lot of people talk about his striking, but he wanted to prove that, hey, I'm, I'm as good of a striker as any of these guys. And I think he did prove that. Um, the first round and a half, of course, were all Marlon, but 
towards the end of the second round, Henry caught uh, Marlon in a clinch and blasted him with, like, I want to say 13 knees in a row in the face. It looked like uh, Anderson Silva, Anderson Silva's first fight with Rich Franklin, where, you know, people didn't really know about Anderson before. And he came in with a Muay Thai clinch, got both of his hands around his head, and would just not let go and was kneeing him so hard in the face over and over and over again. That's ex- that's almost exactly what it was like against Marlon. Um, in the third round, of course, Henry ended up getting a takedown, and that's when it was all over. We I think we all knew if Henry actually ends up landing this takedown, there's not much that anybody can do about it. Like he's, as I, I think I said this in my last episode, He's an Olympic-level wrestler. Um, like, his job, like, his whole life goal is learning how to take people down to the ground and keep them there. So, you know, that's what he did. He ended up landing extremely heavy strikes against Marlon uh, on the ground, really hard elbows, ended up finishing him by TKO in the third. And he became the fourth double champ in the UFC. So there was Connor, D- DC, Amanda, and now Henry. Yeah, fourth double champ in the UFC. Uh, Connor McGregor actually put out a post, you know, welcoming welcoming him to the club. So that's it for UFC 248, guys. Um, let me know what you thought about the fight on Twitter at Gladiator Hour at Gladiator Hour, um, or on the com- in the comment section on Instagram under the post for this episode. Um, you know, if you guys want to reach out, please do DM me, whatever. I would love it. I'm at Gladiator Hour for all my social media. Uh, just to go back over some real quick, um, I actually just saw another interesting piece of news. The UFC is trying to finalize a fight between Jessica Andrade for her first title defense in China against, uh, I hope I'm saying this first name right, Wiley Zhang. Zhang. Um, this was kind of surprising to me, which is why I kind of tacked it on at the end here. Um, of course, we all expected either, or at least I expected either it, it to be three people. I expected the title to go to three people, or the shot to go to three people. Uh, Rose in an immediate rematch, Tatiana after this fight with Nina, or uh, Michelle Watterson, who is also on a three-fight win streak. Now, to her credit, Wiley Zhang is also on a three-fight win streak in the UFC, and she's actually uh, on a 19-fight win streak dating all the way back to 2014. Um, she made she made her, her not whore, I'm sorry. She made her prom- promotional debut just nine months ago. Already fought three times, won three times, and she's already fighting for a title. Uh, you know, Shades of Anderson Silva. Uh, she actually took out Tisha Torres, who's a very you know skilled fighter at UFC 235. I thought it was going to be Michelle or Tatiana, but I guess they're going to have to wait. Um, it's actually very possible that we see uh, Tatiana Suarez and Michelle Watterson fight for a title eliminator or another title eliminator, I guess. Uh, probably at the same event. So that's going to be pretty cool to see. Uh, I'm interested to see what goes on with that. But, uh, of course, good luck to all those fighters. Now, that is probably going to be the end of my show, guys. Um Thank you for listening once again. I love all the support. I'm getting more and more listeners every week. I'm super excited about it. Uh, my following is going up a little bit on social media. Um, I'm really happy that this is starting to, you know, get a little momentum. Um, but I could always use some help. So, 
you see me on Twitter, please retweet. Um, if you, if your friends like MMA, please let them know about the podcast. Tell them to give it a chance. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for listening. This is Ryan Johnston signing off with episode four.